Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Thus says the Lord. You'll never read of Jesus saying, thus says the Lord. Why? He was the Lord. He said, you've heard it has been said, but I say unto you. He was the only one who could speak with that kind of authority. They were speaking for the Lord. He was and is the Lord. In today's broadcast, we have part two of Pastor Sam's message, Jesus is Alive. We start our teaching today in Luke 24, beginning in verse 17. We're going to be considering the conversation that Jesus had with the men as they walked on the road to Emmaus. So let's listen in. Two things strike me immediately. One, they didn't recognize him. Now, I have to think in this case, that's actually his plan. If they recognize them immediately, well, then none of the things that take place from this point on are going to take place. And what he wants to do is flesh them out, as it were. He wants to give them an opportunity to share their hearts, to share their testimony. And I want to tell you, every person here has a testimony concerning Jesus. And if your testimony is, well, I don't even know if I believe in him. Well, that's your testimony. Or, well, I know a lot of people do and I'm trying to. Or, well, I, I know some things about him. That's your testimony. But let's look at theirs. As Jesus asked the question, what are you guys talking about? Who, you know? And, and they're like, are you kidding? Are you the only one who hasn't heard what's happened? So he says, what things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And now the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. They speak to who Jesus was and what he'd done and how he'd preached and taught and how he died and the hope that died with him. By the way, the things they have to say concerning Jesus, very similar to the testimony that Peter and the others had given when Jesus at Caesarea Philippi said, what are men saying about me? Who do men say I am? This is earlier on. And they're like, well, some say you're like maybe Elijah, you know, the, 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 the miracles. Or maybe you're like one of these prophets or, or maybe. Well, it was the very same ideas and opinions that people held at this point. They're the very same ideas and, and opinions that people have concerning Jesus today. Maybe you fall into the category of one who acknowledges and recognizes that Jesus is, in fact, a prophet. He spoke of the future and prophecy has two meanings in Scripture. It means to simply speak forth the word of God or it means to foretell the future. Jesus did both. But Jesus is unlike any other biblical prophet, if we're going to call him a prophet, because the other people who came speaking for the Lord said, thus says the Lord. You'll never read of Jesus saying, thus says the Lord. Why? He was the Lord. He said, you've heard it has been said, but I say unto you. 
He was the only one who could speak with that kind of authority. They were speaking for the Lord. He was and is the Lord. So is Jesus a prophet? Absolutely. He told us things we wouldn't know otherwise. And, and he spoke of the future in such clear uh, words and, and concepts that we really know what lies ahead. Mighty indeed, it says. He was an amazing miracle worker. I mean, he opened the eyes of the blind, gave hearing to the deaf. He enabled the, the lame to walk and leap and run. Jesus worked miracles. And of course, there was no one for hundreds of years who'd done anything like the things that Jesus was doing. And so some thought, well, maybe he's like Elijah. Elijah worked these kinds of miracles. Malachi said that Elijah would come before the great and notable day of the Lord. So some were saying he's a prophet. Some were saying he's Elijah. Some were saying, well, he's an amazing teacher. There's one situation, one scene in the story where, where the, the, the soldiers are, are sent to arrest Jesus. And they come back and, and they're like, where, where, where are they? I mean, where is he? And, and they're, like, they're like, man, no one ever spoke like this man. Can you imagine if you work in law enforcement, they send you out to arrest someone, you come back and say, you ought to hear that guy preach. It's like, where is he? Well, they didn't even bring him back. They were just so blown away at the things he taught. No one ever spoke as this man. So Jesus is a mighty prophet. He is a miracle worker. The same yesterday, today and forever. He is a wonderful teacher, but he's more than that. He is the son of God. And God the Son, he is the Savior of the world. He died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. These guys go on to share that Jesus was crucified. The chief priest, our rulers, delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And they testify further that their hope died with him. We were hoping, past tense, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Maybe you're someone who's experienced a loss that's just shaking you to the core. And, and, and you're at that point where, man, I really was trusting. I really believed. I know there are people who are bitter toward the Lord because of some loss and they're blaming God for the loss. Listen, God is the solution to our problems not the problem. He is our only hope. And when we turn from him and let, allow ourselves to be bitter, well, we're, we're giving up our only hope. Well, in any case, they do go on to testify of what they've heard. Not that they've put it together or believed it, or, but they say, indeed, 21, the latter part, Besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They heard he was alive, but we can see. They're not yet convinced that it's true. 
So Jesus says in verse 25, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Do you know in the Old Testament, there's a passage that says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That word for fool there in the Old Testament actually speaks not of someone who has a mental deficiency, but a moral one. It's not saying they're unable intellectually to put it all together, that there is a God and they're accountable to him. No, they're saying the fool has said. Why? Because of this moral deficiency, because of moral depravity, because of a desire to walk in the darkness and deception and all that's a part of that. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. But the word translated foolish here is a little bit different. It's talking about someone who actually has a heart for God and believes in God, but isn't believing all that God has to say. And it's a very foolish thing to treat the scriptures like some spiritual smorgy where we're like, well, I really kind of like that chapter, but I don't like that part. Or I believe this, but I'm not sure I believe that. To sit in judgment on the word of God. Well, what are we doing? We're making ourselves the authority over God's word. That's why when people pick it apart or they say, well, I don't believe in Jonah. I do because Jesus said so. I don't believe in that. Well, Jesus said it happened. The point is this. If we sit in judgment on God's word, we've got it all upside down and backwards. God's word judges us. We don't judge the word of God. If you're not sure it is the word of God, that's another issue. Read it. Read John's gospel and then let's get together and discuss the things that John wrote and why he says he wrote and what happens in your heart as you read with an open mind. As you just say, OK, Lord, if it's real, if you're real, if it's true, would you just show that to me? So he says foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? and to enter in to his glory. There is something else that happens. It happens to me. I'm sure it will happen if it hasn't happened to you. Jesus tells us to expect persecution and trial and rejection and tribulation. And then we go out and we share the gospel and we're prayed up and our intentions are good and we're sharing with people we love and and care for and they reject us and say bad stuff about us and begin to persecute us and, and we're like what happened Lord what went wrong and he's like hey don't you remember I told you if they hated me they'll hate you if they love me they'll love you if we don't believe everything he told us then we're not prepared to deal with the things that lie ahead now the, the bottom line is they were slow to learn but they did learn. They were slow to believe, but they did come to believe. And, and my prayer is those of you who are slow in this process, that you come around, that you, you enter in, that, that, that you put it together. Christ 
suffered these things, but he does enter in and has entered into his glory. And then verse 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I mentioned in our, well, time where we're just sharing what's coming, that this Wednesday we'll complete our survey, Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. It was actually this verse that inspired me to go through and, and, and look for Jesus in every book of the Old Testament and new to kind of flesh out where he appears in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. You know or should know. He's saying that he expounded, he opened, he explained to them in all the scriptures. So this includes the law and the prophets and everything in between the things concerning himself. You know, of course, Genesis tells us we aren't here by chance. We were created by a loving, living God. And John's gospel in Colossians tells us that Jesus, the Son of God and God the Son, is the creator and sustainer of all things. Exodus tells us that there's a plan for our redemption. Of course, you go a little further in Genesis, you see, well, there's a problem created by and for God, but sin enters in. And we're separated from God. So we get to Exodus and there's this picture of redemption as the children of Israel through the Passover lamb slain, the blood applied, are freed from the bondage that they've experienced there in Egypt. And the picture points us to Jesus. Peter tells us Jesus is our Passover lamb sacrificed for us. In every book, there are numerous pictures, types, uh, foreshadowings of our Lord and his work for us. Leviticus, it's filled with feasts and festivals and, and it points us in each and every one to the person and the work of Jesus. The wilderness wandering, he's the manna that fell from heaven and the rock that followed them through the wilderness. As you go through each and every book, you, you look for Jesus. And I want to highly recommend, if you can be here, be with us Wednesday. We'll finish the MP3s as soon as we conclude either this or, or perhaps one more study. But, but go through and get the big picture and understand how the Bible's put together the various types of literature and how they all point to Jesus. That's what he is doing here. So we have his example. It's one reason we go through the Bible rather than just picking and choosing and teaching from the Bible. So again, so essential that, that we see it from Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Well, as we do that, we get what God intended. The whole picture and all of it just makes Jesus clearer and clearer. Our need for him, his sacrifice for us, the life we have in him. Well, it's not just his example. It's his exhortation, his command. In Matthew 28, he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe 
all things that I've commanded you. So important. Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. Now, some are going to say, well, that's the stuff in red, right? I mean, the four Gospels. No, it's the entire scripture because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly or perfectly equipped for every good work. Jesus says, if we're going to make disciples, real followers of Jesus, people who are going to be like Jesus and rightly represent Jesus, then it's got to be teaching them to observe all the things. That word observe, by the way, means not just to understand it or affirm it, but to obey it, to act upon it, to respond to it. So we learn by way of example and we learn by exhortation. Our mission is to preach the gospel and to teach the word. Now, you should be aware if you've ever been to the doctor that a good doctor doesn't just look at you for a moment and say, well, I got a prescription for that. No, you want him to really examine you and you want him to diagnose you and then you want him to write a prescription that deals specifically with what it is you're ailing from. And you need to know that, that that's how the Bible's put together. The great physician, our Lord and Savior, responsible for the scriptures themselves. Listen, we have the gospel message. And if you're dead in trespasses and sin, you don't need a lesson on how to deal with your finances or how to deal with your marriage or how to deal with. No, you need life. And it's the gospel that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again, that brings life to those who are dead and trespasses and sin. The rest of the Bible, it will give us growth and health. It is the only spiritual food. It is God's prescription for our growth and health. The gospel proclaims forgiveness of sin, but the word of God, the rest of the word of God, it equips us for every good work of ministry. The gospel preaches Jesus. The word of God teaches us of him and shows us God's plan that we become like him and rightly represent him. The gospel says all men need to be saved. The word that all who have been saved need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we have the prescription. If you're dead in trespasses and sin, you need to believe today that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. If you've come that far, and I'm certain that would be most of you. Well, then you need all of the word of God so God can do all he's intending to do in you. Jesus says, and we'll conclude with this, at one point, he says, if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what is the question? Free from deception is one answer. If you continue in the word of God, you won't be deceived, not by Satan or by yourself, nor by the culture by the shifting sands of men's ideas and opinions. The word of God is the same yesterday, today and forever. It never changes and he never changes. So if you continue in his word, you'll be free from deception. You'll be free from doubt. 
And if you're someone who, well, you can look back and you say, you know, I had stronger faith in the past. I talk to people on a regular basis. This happens. And they're like, you know, I was so strong in my faith and I was really serving the Lord and things were happening. And then I don't know. I'm just I'm not sure of things I used to be sure of. My question will always be the same. So I'll ask you today if that's who, what you're dealing with. H have you been reading your Bible? Not have you been coming to church. That's an issue. But even if you are coming to church, have you been reading your Bible? Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're not in the word of God, your faith is going to be weak. You're strengthened in faith as you're in the word of God. And the word of God is taking root and producing fruit in you. Now, If you continue in his word, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free from deception, from doubt, from disillusionment. Hey, we're told to expect and embrace trials and tribulation. We shouldn't be caught off guard or unaware or shocked when we find ourselves going through the very things Jesus said to expect. Being in the word, believing the word, abiding in the word will it will set you free from despair. Many of us have lost loved ones in this last year or the last couple of years. For some, it's been longer. For others, it's, it's a fresh wound. But you need to know that, that no one who dies who's in Christ Jesus is lost at all. No, they're with the Lord. We can grieve because we miss them, but we can't grieve for them. For a believer, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And I'd encourage you to focus not on what you're missing or, or what you've lost, but the glory that they are experiencing in the presence of an almighty and holy God. As we continue in the word, the word will keep us clean. It will keep us free from defilement. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. And that works for old guys too. As we're in the word of God, he'll say, hey, this is the way to go. Walk in it. And then we'll see that, man, that path is going to lead to all sorts of defilement and the despair and depression that follow. But if we know he's saying walk in the light as he is in the light. And even if we disregard his commands and disobey him, well, the word of God can bring cleansing once we come and confess. I've stepped off. I've turned aside. I've gone back. Forgive me. Restore me. We can find restoration. Finally, death. You know, James tells us that death physically is the separation of the body and the spirit. If you, if you want to know where the point of death is, James says, as the body without the spirit is dead. And he applies it in another way, but he's giving us fact. He's saying the body without the spirit is dead. And, and listen, that's physical death. But what about spiritual death? What about eternal death? That's the person separated from God. And the Bible tells us clearly the wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, alienated from God because of sin. And Jesus says, if you continue in my word, believe me and let my word take root in you, then you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free.
Each of us who have given our lives to Christ are at different points along our journey with Him. Our growth, our strength, the experiences we have daily, how much we are used by God and how effective we are in our service to Him. Even our spiritual health depends on a very important thing we must do. And that one thing is read the Word of God. Now, I challenge you to be completely honest with yourself and ask yourself how you are doing with that. If you struggle, take it to the Lord and ask Him for guidance. Ask Him to put someone in your life that will help you with this. Seek out a mature brother or sister in Christ to give you guidance. Think of the Word of God as your spiritual food you need to eat every day. Think of what it says in Job 23:12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.